the Workforce Connections Podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the WC Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, the newest member of the Workforce Connections Board, my friend, Hugh. How are you today? I'm doing great, Jaime. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have Hugh Anderson on the show. And, you know, again, Hugh, there's a lot of topics we want to discuss, but let's start just by talking about who you represent. You're here on our board as the voice of business representing Hightower. So tell us a little bit about Hightower Las Vegas, what services they provide, and what's your role in the organization? Certainly. Well, I'm a partner with the the firm. I have four other partners, and uh, Hightower Las Vegas is a comprehensive wealth management firm, and basically we uh, take care of uh, clients' uh, entire financial uh, responsibilities. And ideally what we do is we make sure that wherever they are today, they can get to where they want to be tomorrow. And by uh, giving them a formal process in the planning to create a vision that has tangibility around it and parameters, uh, it gives them clarity on the choices that they can make. And we make sure that the, they know what those choices are, the pros and the cons of each. And Hugh, as you know, uh, here in Southern Nevada, the LVGA and the Chamber and, and others, we've partnered to do Workforce Blueprint, which identifies seven target industry sectors that will help us diversify our, our economy. And one of, it, one of them is finance and professional or finance and business services. And so, uh, you know, now as we move forward with the industry sector partnerships, that's one of the next ones we're going to launch. So uh, obviously you'll be there with us, with your other peers and colleagues from that industry. Tell us how the pandemic uh, affected that particular industry, because I've heard you say that in ways you got busier. So tell us about that a little bit. Well, you and I have talked uh, at length, Jaime, about the what I, what's been called the K-shaped economy. And if you think about the, uh, the letter K, the upper arm were those of us who could uh, work from home or continue to work from the office uh, in, a, in a healthy environment, but continue to work. So our paychecks weren't interrupted, uh, our occupations weren't interrupted, you know, lawyers kept working, most physicians kept working in some capacity or another. Most professions, uh, professionals were able to work. The lower arm of the K were the people who got laid off through no fault of their own because the economy literally shut down. And so it was a, it was a, a, a two-edged sword, basically. And for those of us who had the ability to uh, continue to work, it quite frankly uh, was almost a boon. And, you, and you, if you talk to some other professionals, they say they were never busier uh, um, during the COVID uh, shutdown. And uh, it hasn't stopped even as we've opened up. That's so interesting. I know you and I uh, did, uh, you know, breakfast in the early days of uh, as we got back from COVID with our mask and learned how to go out again and, and do business. And one of the things uh, that, that I remember the most is, you know, here's a, a business person who actually wants to make a difference in the work that we do here, us bureaucrats, and trying to align our workforce development efforts to our economic development efforts, the needs of business. And so I'm grateful that you uh, spend this time with us helping us do better. You were recently appointed to the Workforce Connections Board representing business, but you also have been part of the Governor's Workforce Development Board for I think almost two years now and recently appointed as chair. And so tell us a little bit about what, what are your thoughts on the two bodies, the state board, the local board, which is one of two in the state, and the opportunities we have to perhaps improve how those bodies work together to better serve the public? 
Well, the uh, and it's been three years since I was on wow. the workforce, uh, the governor's workforce board came in because you know we have to account for all my time where my partners yeah. will ask where. Wow. I've been. But uh, the, the the concern I have is for those of us who've been in Nevada for a long time, this concept of diversifying the economy is. Rep- repetitiously, consistently talked about. And it's all well and good to talk about getting other industries to come to Nevada or developing new industries and so forth. And we've done a pretty good job. The problem is if we don't have a prepared workforce for those diversified industries, those jobs are going to be filled by other people coming from other states. And that's not fair to our residents. And so we need to make sure that the governor's workforce board, from a statewide perspective, works hand in glove with the local boards to make sure that the uh, needs of each part of the state are addressed. And uh, if, you, if you've heard the, the phrase, there is not one Nevada economically. There are basically three. You have northern Nevada, you have southern Nevada, and then you have the rurals. And they all have unique and distinct, uh, distinct needs. I mean, the, the rurals and uh, parts of uh, north, uh, northeast Nevada and so forth with mining, that's a very, very important economic engine for the state, uh, has very unique uh, needs and has a very high demand for talents that it can't fill from the state. And we have to make sure that we can help them fill that so they can continue to expand and uh, continue to contribute to the state's economy. By the same token, as mining continues to evolve into a more efficient and cleaner and all the other technologies that go into making extraction uh, better and still contribute to the uh, to the economy, we want to make sure that they can find the talent from Nevada, ideally, more often than not. And Hugh, I'm optimistic that's going to happen because these boards, these workforce boards, uh, their business is talent development, as you said. You know, there's other boards here in the state that oversee access to health care and taxation and business licensing, but in our case, talent. And, and I remember two very succinct examples, real examples last year that you and others on the business side of the board helped us solve. If you remember, there was a couple of policies that we had self-imposed in our state that the feds did not necessarily dictate down. And they were getting in the way, if you will, of us uh, being able to best help our small businesses, micro businesses here in Southern, well, across the state. And so along, I think multiple chambers uh, asked for that relief and the the governor's board acted on it. And now uh, we're doing better again. And those are just two examples this year. So I think Again, I'm optimistic that uh, you and the other members of the board will continue to make sure that policy aligns with the needs of the businesses. And one of the things I think that we're going to make sure that happens through is the industry sector partnerships, as we'll talk about a little later. Those uh, are coming through the leadership of the Vegas Chambers Workforce and Economic Development Committee. But before we go there... I wanted to ask you about, uh, obviously, I feel here like I'm I'm a reporter interviewing Larry King. You're an expert in this field already. Uh, You have a show called An Alternate Hue. I I watch it all the time. I love it. Uh, You're able to make, you know, very complex financial uh, ideas and uh, topics very relatable to to those of us who are laymen in that field. So, uh, it helps people, again, as you said it earlier, be more selective about the financial choices that they're making in their life. And so tell us a little bit more about an alternate hue. What are you hoping? And again, I know it's just one more thing that you do. I don't know how you find the time. You must do that at 3 a.m. or something. But uh, tell us about what you hope an alternate hue is doing. Well, the the original uh, concept was because when the economy shut down, I was no longer able to meet with uh, clients and friends face to face. 
So being a natural introvert, uh, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, why don't I just do a, a podcast or a video uh, cast, as it were, because that was completely unnatural for me. But uh, as I was uh, deciding how, what to put in front of them, there's YouTube. There's, everybody has video in front of them 24-7. You know, everybody has a, a curved neck now because they're always looking at their phones. So what could I contribute to that universe of content that was, might be a little different? And as I was thinking through it, there's a, we're going through a phase in society right now, and it's a, it's a cyclical phase, and it, and it happens every 20 or 30, 40 years. There's a massive distrust of everything. Uh, there's a mass distrust of media, government, institutions, anybody telling us what we should think or what we should know. And so the, the, the gist of my uh, videos is essentially to take concepts that people may have heard out of, out of the side of the rear or come across a couple of times but don't have the uh, motivation to look into it and understand it. So my job is to bring up concepts that they're, so let's talk about green energy. And everybody wants cleaner air, cleaner water, and, and, and everything clean. But the challenge is, is that we are seeing it right now. Texas is one of the most important economies in the world, not just the United States, in the world. It's a big, diversified, strong economy. And it was built uh, originally on agriculture, cattle, and the discovery of oil. Texas is having blackouts and brownouts this summer. Why? Because of mandates forcing going from where we are today with our predominant dependence on fossil fuels to go green and in some arbitrary future time. And so we have not done the homework to recognize that you can't get there from here in that short amount of time. We need to progressively and persistently transition. But if you think about it, there are doctors in many places in Africa who do not have incubators for premature babies because the power supply is not dependent enough. They might get power two or three hours a day, and so they can schedule their surgeries there, but if they deliver a premature baby, that baby's going to die. Reason? There's not enough power infrastructure. That power infrastructure has to come from clean technology, uh, I mean, ideally clean technologies, but mm. in many cases they can't afford it. So they have to rely on the old technologies, and, it's, and they're not there. They're not fully developed. So that's what an alternate hue is intended to do, is just Give people the credit for the common sense that we all have. I don't care what your IQ is. Everybody has basic common sense, and I want them to question what they're hearing and maybe consider looking a little deeper beyond the headline. And I particularly enjoy the style of humor you inject in it. It's, uh, you know. Well, that's very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we'll make sure that we put uh, today here for, uh, for our viewers uh, on the link on the screen, but for our listeners uh, would they just go to YouTube and punch in an alternate hue? They, I believe, I believe that should work. Yes. Okay. Very or they good. can go to the uh, High Tower Las Vegas website, and we have a, a tab for our video content. And what is the link for the High Tower uh, website? HightowerLasVegas.com. HightowerLasVegas.com. Great. Um, so I want to talk about uh, again another of your jobs. You have so many jobs. Uh, the job as chair of the Vegas Chamber Workforce and Economic Development Committee, and I know you've been the chair of the Vegas Chamber as well. And again, these are, um, I feel, contributions that we need more of because it connects the business folks to the work that we're trying to do. And so I do really appreciate that, that you're doing that. Tell us a little bit about this committee. Earlier I said one of the things we selfishly hope to get from the committee is the guidance and the connectivity to the members of the chamber and other chambers to really 
make these industry sector partners for those seven target industries effective. Now, again, I said uh, just the Vegas Chamber. One of the things I love about this committee is that you were very inclusive. You invited the presidents of the other chambers, the president of the Latin Chamber, Peter Guzman, who's uh, now your peer here on the Workforce Connections Board, uh, Ken Evans and Sonny and others uh, are also part of that committee. So, and you brought in again, uh, the school district, the community college, so a very inclusive committee. Tell us about your vision for that workforce and economic development committee through the Vegas Chamber. Well, being familiar with the, the, the efforts and the work that Workforce Connections does, there are a lot of good things already going on in the state. And the objective there was to bring together all of the entities and individuals that were working toward the same goals and start knocking down the silos and increase communication and transparency and make sure that we're all rowing the boat in the same direction as compared to each individual entity reinventing somebody else's wheel. I have no pride of ownership. I want to help the people we need to be helping. I want the state to be as strong as possible. And it's only as strong as possible when the most vulnerable among us have housing, have access to health care, have good education and safety, and they can pursue a career path that's secure. And so that committee was intended to, quite frankly, start asking what I, I'm the master of, the stupid question. Why are we doing it this way, or why aren't we doing that? And uh, one of the things that really coalesced in my mind, uh, we, uh, I spoke to an individual who I won't name who uh, brought a new company to town uh, a few years ago, and the, it, it was all over the papers. It was, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a major win for the community. And I, uh, I asked him, what's your biggest concern? He says, finding qualified workers. I said, this is, this is all great, finding qualified workers. And it, and it struck me that he's going to find qualified workers. It's the old, if you build it, they will come. But I don't want them coming over the border. I want the people here who want a new career path that's more secure and not vulnerable to the ups and downs of tourism and everything else to be able to pursue that. I want them to have that vision and know it's available to them and not self-select that, oh, I can't do that. Yeah, and, and Hugh, I think um, one of the reasons we're excited you're part of uh, the Southern or the local workforce board now too is, as you know, we have members on this board that you know, Superintendent Jara, Tina Quigley from the LVGA, you talked about um, our very own Mary Beth Sewell from the Vegas Chamber. Uh, one of the things that we're going to be celebrating here soon is in about, I think, uh, two, three weeks, we open uh, as a community the Central Career Technical Academy. It's a, the newest CCSD school that will sit on the site of the old Bishop Gorman. And it's really unique uh, for many reasons. Uh, uh, one of them is that there's going to be a strong focus on manufacturing, general and advanced manufacturing, which is another one of these seven sectors. And so in construction, and um, but most importantly, these resources that are going in there for that is not just for the young adults or the young people, but also the school is going to be made available late in the day. So it's not going to shut down at two or three, but it's going to work till eight or nine so that families can also have access to this information. And here's another thing you'll love is you know, even though we have a lot of work to do in Nevada, as you know, we've been, there's been some things worth celebrating. The Vegas Chamber and Workforce Connections received a national award just two years ago for our work aligning economic development to workforce development. The Employee MV Business Hub just received an award this year. The Vegas Chamber hosts one. And, and this uh, particular school, I, it's a first of, in the nation, and I believe uh, worth also celebrating. 
Nowhere in the nation does a school have a uh, one-stop center or one of our American job centers or, or our career centers built inside of it. And so it was designed, uh, thanks to our friends at the school district, designed and built to have our resources on site. And so again, the young people and the families don't have to get on a bus or go somewhere else. It's right there. So I think we're making strides towards what you're saying, connecting to and home growing our talent. That school is one example. So uh, before we run out of time, I wanted to make sure we talk about also a couple of things that I know are important to the chamber. In just a few weeks, uh, we'll be in Washington, D.C., uh, doing the annual D.C. Fly-In. Uh, tell us a little bit about that event, uh, what you hope to see from it, uh, the outcomes this year. Well, the the DC the annual D.C. Fly-In started uh, probably 15, 17 years ago, if I'm not mistaken, and we could fit all the attendees in a cab. And then a few years later, it was a couple of uh, SUVs. And now we need multiple buses. Uh, it's, it's considered the largest business fly-in in the country into Washington, D.C. And not only does our own delegation who we meet with and helps us coordinate uh, think it's a wonderful thing, but the rest of Washington, D.C. knows we come. And the reason is because, the number one, the sheer size. Number two, because we are the Vegas Chamber, which is one of the largest and most innovative chambers in the country, has substantial respect from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and other think tanks in Washington, D.C. We're able to bring lots of high-caliber speakers uh, to the table to uh, interact with our, our members. And, but most importantly, the, uh, it sends a message. So when one of our members removes themselves from their work and their family to go for four days to Washington, D.C. to listen and also explain what is causing them concern and jeopardizing their future and their employees' future, it makes a, it makes a big difference as compared to an email or a letter or a phone call. Now, those are important, but to physically be present shows the commitment on the part of our members who do go that uh, we're serious. And so we bring... Uh, our various agenda items to the uh, our congressional delegation, as well as the other delegates in Congress who affect our lives. You know, we have our own delegation, but there are a lot of chairs of other of important committees that don't are not our, from our delegation, so they affect our lives. Whether it's highway funding, whether it's water, whether it's anything else, so we engage with them and let them know how important it is for them to understand the issues. I really enjoy that part, Hugh, because uh, we travel also once a year to D.C. As a, as a board, Workforce Connections, to meet with our 550 peers across the nation and, and advocate uh, for workforce development, funding, and initiatives. And hopefully you'll go with us to D.C. in one of these trips. But this one, like you said, I enjoy the fact that we not only get to see our delegation, but like you said, other stakeholders that uh, their voice matters and what they do matters to us here in Southern Nevada. So I'm looking forward to that trip. Uh, another thing I, uh, again, and by the way, this trip, I believe, along with other things, falls into another one of your jobs, which is another committee in the chamber, and that one's called? Government Affairs. Yeah, Government <laughs> Affairs. So, I mean, you have so many hats, right? You must have one of those hangers in your in your office with all the different hats. But how the, the last question I wanted to ask you was, now that we're, I think, either returning to uh, a new normal or creating a new normal. I don't, I don't know which one it is, but I see more of these eggs and issues events that, that the chamber organizes to, again, make sure that we're having relevant conversations with our, our congressional delegation and within the community. How has it been for the chamber returning to 
Is it a new normal? Is it back to the old normal on having these in-person events and doing the work of advocacy and convening that the chamber has done for these years? Well, I'm I'm old school, and I think being in person is critical. Uh, and the more I read from uh, management experts and so forth, they're trying to help people transition to let's call it the new normal. Uh, that yes, it's one thing to be have the flexibility of remote work and everything else, but if you want to build a culture, if you want to communicate in the most effective fashion, one-on-one, face-to-face is far more powerful than a telephone, an email, a text, or a video. And so those events are critical. And the chamber's role and what our members want out of a chamber investment is Number one, the networking aspect. And networking uh, sounds kind of cliche, but the reality is it's that bonding of a common goal of being successful. I run a deli, you run a pizzeria, somebody else runs a dry cleaner. And although we're in different businesses, we have a lot of common issues that we have to deal with, regulation, taxes, uh, landlords, you name it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of commonality. And so the Chamber's government affairs apparatus is, is one of the biggest uh, lobbying uh, enterprises in the state. And, you know, there's the, the other big trade organizations have theirs, but for our smaller members, and I think we're 70 or 80% of our membership is our small businesses, they don't have a budget or any personnel that they can lobby Congress or lobby the legislature. That's the chamber's job on their behalf because their goal and what we tell legislators all the time, especially in Carson City, the people who sign the front of the check are the last ones to get paid and may not get paid, and their biggest fear is keeping meeting payroll and keeping the doors open one more Friday. And so every time we come up with another bright idea for a regulation, a tax, an imposition on business, let's think it through about un- un- unintended consequences and so forth. So I'm very proud of the, the Government Affairs uh, team started back in the early 90s. And so we're going on uh, probably 30 years at this point, wow. and it's become a very, very significant piece of the, of the Vegas Chamber investment for a member because we are doing the heavy lifting for them so they can attend to business. And uh, we've gotten very, uh, Paul Maratkin, as you know, is our Senior Vice President of Government Affairs at the Chamber. Uh, he has uh, embraced all, all communications modes, and so we can have calls to action. So when the, when the legislature's in, in, uh, in session, and a bill's coming up that could affect all of us. The call goes out, the phones light up. People show up uh, to testify. Things happen. And Paul and professional lobbyists are critical to the process, but there's nothing more powerful than that business owner sitting there and saying, this will help me or this will hurt me. Yeah. Um, shout out to Paul. If, um, I know he... Um, He's a big reason why that fly-in is successful, you know. Yes. He uh, works hard. I remember a couple of times wh- when there's been uh, fancy places. There was a place that you cannot get in without a tie, and so good old Paul helped me out. He had an extra tie. I think the following year there was a mask issue, and Paul seems to have extra masks. This guy is like a Swiss knife. He yes, has Swiss he Army is. knife. He has everything we need. So, um, Hugh, I want to thank you for being here in person today. I, I agree with you. I think uh, there is a special connection when you get to 
meet like this or break bread. You and I also love to uh, go and have the, these conversations over breakfast. So I look forward to seeing you now, uh, not just at the Chamber events or the Governor's Workforce Development Board or the DC Fly-In, but now at Workforce Connections Board meetings. I get to see you as well. So uh, I'll turn over the mic to you one last time for any final thoughts. Well, my, my final thought, uh, Jaime, is I want to commend you and your team at Workforce Connections. You're on the ground face-to-face -face with who we're trying to help. So the Governor's Workforce Development Board, I'm going to try and make sure that we have some contact with those folks uh, during the course of operations. But you and your team are in it every day, and the work you're doing and the innovations you're incorporating are making a profound difference, and I want to thank you all for that effort. Well, thank you, Hugh, and thanks for being here again. Thank you. Well, that's it for another episode of the WC Podcast. We hope to see you in the next one. Until then, stay safe. Thank you.